I drop the ball every yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I, I can't do it. I had. I did not want to turn this into like a Zane Low or like no stuff like that. Yeah. Like, we just. I'm uh, Oprah Winfrey. Nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like if bro just wanted to press record, that would be perfectly fine. Yeah. I don't even care. Like I was. I spent like almost forever trying to figure out. Yo, how you gonna start the podcast? What are you gonna say? That has been the most stressful thing for me is trying to figure out. Well, you gotta come up with something because you're right. I know. Yeah. I wish I could just start talking and then just it just come on. I know you can't do that. Yeah. But I wish because well maybe after today you'll have more of a no. I'm gonna do something today. Oh okay. I'm gonna do something today. I thought of something, but that has been probably the most stressful thing. Yeah. Oh, it's too dark. Yeah, it's too dark. And then put your phone on all the time. Alright. You ready? You gotta set up. Okay, cool man. He got a blue moon. Yeah. I honestly I had every intention on having a beer, but then you was like, nah, I don't drink. <laughs> No, I'm like, good. Nope. I thought you was looking one for this. I was like, nope, I'm not starting off my career in the entertainment industry. <laughs> drinking oh, solo camera. around a woman. Not at all. Will not catch me. This will not pop up 10 years later and I have to apologize. <laughs> no, at no, all. no. You good. You, if you, I see, if you I know, had one, I would have been cool with it. I see. I know you. So I know yeah. I probably would have been good. Uh-huh. Not at all. Yeah, like, I'm going to have water. She's going to drink Mystic. We're going to have us a good old time. Later, I'll have my beer in post-production. Good. Good. <laughs> okay, cool. So, all right, I'm going to get started. So, I don't know. Hold on one second. I'm sorry. So, welcome to a Cool Thought Podcast. This is your boy, Cool. I am sitting here with the awesome writer-director, um, San Nicole, who also works for... Showtime. Showtime. Just shy, right? Just shy, yep. Awesome. And a couple other shows you worked on as well, right? Yeah, I've worked on so many shows. Uh, but just to name a few, um, I worked on a show called Patriot, which is on Amazon. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, you can check that out. And then I also worked on a show called APB that got canceled. It was on Fox. Oh, okay, cool. But you still got the checks, though. Yeah, still got got paid, but they took it off the air. Um, But yeah, I worked on a couple of films and plus my own films. So I am working in the industry as well as doing my own thing. Yes, yes, definitely. We are definitely going to get into you doing your own thing because that has been the most fascinating thing to learn about you is... Your ability to like execute okay that's what i appreciate you so much but um welcome to the podcast Did thank you-, you for having me thank you for letting me be the first guest yes <laughs> san is the first guest yeah. probably might even be the first episode honestly <laughs> i don't think i'm gonna do no like hey welcome to a cool thought this is what you're going to be expecting yeah. i'm probably just gonna jump in yeah you know, look just up. jump in it's gonna be like six episodes of whatever I feel like talking about, <laughs> but um, yeah, this is kind of like what the podcast will be like. I will be talking to some amazing people, like saying I will. We will be discussing their philosophies, how they get stuff done, um, and then probably R. Kelly at some point. 
because he just keeps coming up. I keep waiting on it to Not die. that this is a laughing matter, but nah, we in Chicago and it's definitely something that has lingered for years about R. Kelly. So the fact that it's all blowing open now is just like, wow. Oh my God. Because this is something we already knew. It's the story knew. that keeps giving. It just yeah. keeps coming yeah. repeatedly. We've been dealing with this for, this is R. Kelly's 10 year challenge. Do you remember when they were selling that mixtape? I remember it in I the barbershop. I remember barbershops. when they were selling that mixtape. I remember watching it at my Aunt Drew's house. Yeah. I remember. And the the wild part about that is the youngest of all of my cousins had the video. The Ooh. youngest of all of my... Well, no. His oldest sister had it, but he found it and played it for us. And uh, Tank, he was like, at that age, had to been... He's legit four or five years younger than me. Wow. So... I th- and I think at that time I might have been like maybe uh, early teens. Ooh. Early teens. I know so. I was young. Yeah. I was young when it came out. It's crazy. It was crazy. a phenomenon. But yeah, we'll crazy. talk about him later. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> but speaking speaking of early teens, I read something that said you got your first uh, camcorder. I did. Was it? I saw, so I saw you say two different things. It was either graduation or it was prom. When was it? It was both. It was both. Yes. I was getting ready to go on prom, and I graduated right after. So uh, my mom wouldn't buy it for me because she was handling all of my expenses for prom. So she was like, I'm definitely not buying you anything. So wait a minute. Did you have, like, a seamstress for your dress and all of that? Oh, yeah. Where do (laughs) y'all... Where do young black women get seamstress? Because I've never seen... they. I, I don't see seamstress in the hood until prom. I actually um, went to a seamstress that created the choir robes for my church choir. That's wild. And she made my my prom dress. Prom should legit be a fashion week. Yeah. Because it's all custom. Black girls do not go buy off the rack prom dresses. Yeah. And they paying the guap for them dresses to be made too. Legit. You paying for fabric. You paying, you going downtown. Alterations, (laughs) everything. You getting like the best. Yeah. Prom, prom time is legit. It's like a wedding. It's like a baby wedding. Exactly. It's a baby wedding. So what color is your prom dress? It was black. It was black? Yeah, I like black. Dang, so you you kind of like knew who you were already. Yeah, I like black. Yeah. I was a big fan of black, so I knew that that was what I wanted to wear. And we looked slick in black. Like, it was me, my date, you know, was handsome guy. He had on black tux. We looked good. That's legit. Like, we was on our way to the Oscars. That's smooth. <laughs> it was that like premeditated. Smooth. It was like preparing me for Right, getting right. you ready. So, you should look... Is the same scene just going to make your first... No, I would hope. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope that I had graduated. You gonna have to shout might out. Might have got somebody. You huh? gonna have to legit shout her out though. Man, to be honest, I'm trying to make sure I get her name correct because it was so long ago. I want to say maybe her name was Sandra. Sandra. I believe so, but I'm not sure. That's what it's gonna be. Shout, shout out, out to, to that Sandra. seamstress. Yeah. Shout that I don't know that. her full name, but she killed my my prom dress though. Cool. I actually had it. Um, well, Holly Berry won her Oscar for Monsters Ball. She had on this uh, like flowery. Um, it was like a a pasty see through dress, and it flowed. It 
at the bottom and I actually mirrored my dress from her dress when she won her Dope. her Oscar for Monsters Ball. I'm gonna have to look that up. That's yeah. legit. So you got your first camcorder around that time. Yes. And my godmother bought it for me because my mother wouldn't. What's the first thing you shot with it? Um, let me see. Let me think. I think the first thing I shot with it was just stuff around the house. So I would follow my mother around and terrorize my sister with it. And then I started getting real crazy. And I started, like, playing pranks on my family members. So mm-hmm. I would, because um, I just wanted the reaction. Right. I wanted the emotional reaction. And I didn't know how to get one. Mm-hmm. And me and my cousin was already doing it. <laughs> we was already doing it. We just wasn't getting it on camera. So um, we just played off what was going on in your life at the time. So I had a cousin that wasn't paying her car note because she couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. And we was like, hey, let's go move her car to another block and just say the repo man got it. <laughs> so we moved her car to the next block. We came at a, I think she had like, cause we had, what my family does weird stuff when we get together and we don't feel like going home, we'll just spend a night and sleep everywhere. And it was one of those days. Okay. So the next morning when we woke up, we came at her like, yo, man, he just took your car. Like I seen it going down the street. <laughs> she was in tears. I'm right there with the camera getting off. <laughs> Oh my god. And then finally we let the person know like, yo, your car's not gone. We just wanted to play a prank on you. So this is your low key. This is your big you need to like take time to realize that this is your big Draco moment. Like you invented punk. <laughs> and Ashton Kutcher and, and he came after MTV Yeah. To- but we was man, we was I hid my cousin's car. I took my other cousin's purse uh-huh. and like said somebody took it so we was like driving around we had her purse the whole time but we was driving around in the car like looking for this imaginary person that took her purse it was like oh little goofy God. stuff that I was oh, doing terror. and I was recording it all but the greatest <laughs> thing about it was when I had recorded that footage and we all sat around and watched mm-hmm. it it was like it was a really like mood shift like the whole room laughed at it they found enjoyment in it it was it was it was a way to kind of get reactions out of people that i had never really thought that recording video had the power to do that just like i mean it does it every day we see stuff on that people recorded themselves that are funny and we laugh and that brings us some joy (laughs) like if you having a shitty day at work you can watch one of those online comedians and laugh your ass off and may not be so worried about what you walked in the door worried about when you were at work. So America's Funniest Home Video yeah. has completely, at times, come on and changed the entire vibe yeah. in the house. People mad, yeah. mom upset, granny just completely turned off from everybody. America's Funniest Home Videos come on. Right. We get to watch everybody else do stupid shit, and that would just change the whole thing. <laughs> right. So I could definitely... And then, of course, that. now you got people with their own cameras. They may share the same humor that you that you have. So, like... And then stuff that we see that are that's funny on the internet that they don't they wouldn't dare put on TV, but it's funny right. on the internet. So, uh, yeah, video just has this really... Um, just strong power to like touch people emotionally. So, um, once I figured out that, and once I saw like the effect of it, I just got more and more More involved with it. Yeah. So then, eventually, you graduated from documentary punk style recording to 
uh, then I started right? right yeah then I started doing scripted stuff that's smooth yeah. that's smooth and was so you got into that like later on like in your teenage years and well, well no, this, this was high school, yeah this was so after college. high school so college my first Columbia, two years right? right my first two years I went to UIC I didn't really study film there I just took my gen eds but then when I got to Columbia um they teach you well when I was there they more so taught about like the industry as it was at that at that time right. and they also taught you about aesthetics of filmmaking so like what would make an audience jump you know what sound would be best for a horror film what what sound or what door sound would be better for a drama like mm. they teach you all of those different techniques with sound and how you record something to make someone have an emotional reaction. So you would say it's kind of like a science. To it me. is. Real legit. Some people, like, the deeper you study it, the more you see that a lot of things are so intentional in film. Like, wow. they're done purposely. Like, uh, there's one, and I love Spike, but the only time he stumped me was in Crooklyn when they actually take... Zelda Harris's character to her aunts to stay because mm -hmm. they can't afford to keep her at the house so they right. take her to the aunts and Spike like the the aspect ratio of the the film just like changed it just done something weird and I was like what is that mm -hmm. so I think it's something wrong with my TV I'm turning my TV knobs on my TV I'm doing all types of shit to it to, to make sure that I'm not tripping Right, hold on, hold on. Let me stop you for a sec. Explain what an aspect ratio is for people who don't know, namely me. So, aspect ratio is when you are shooting uh, HD footage, it's usually 920 by 1080. This, so That's this is the, the size aspect of your ratio. Yes, it's okay. the aspect ratio of the screen. Okay. Um, but in this film, the aspect ratio, so it went from that big to like this. To real small. While, right, while the film okay. was still going. And I was like, what's happening? <laughs> Word, okay. Um, but finally, when I figured it out, um, Spike explained it on the commentary of the film, because I used to listen to directors talk about films yeah, on the commentary. that's nerdy. That's yeah, weird. it's nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> but he said... Uh, and I don't, I don't, I, I'm really not really clear on like what technique it was, but he uh -huh. said that he did it purposely because he wanted the audience to feel uncomfortable because the main character felt uncomfortable. So when you hear stuff like that, you be like, dang, so I can really do what I want to do. And just when he explained it that way, it made me feel uncomfortable because I was trying to fix my TV because I felt like something was wrong with it. But that's a filmmaker really passionate about what they do when they really want you to experience what the main character is experiencing in the film. That's some deep shit. Mm -hmm. So when he started talking like that, I was like, okay, right. <laughs> let me start doing some stuff. You know, and that, that gets you more excited to make more things or see what you can create or see what new things you can come up with. Not necessarily mimicking Spike, but right. coming up with your own technique. You know, Definitely. Spike is known for his floating shot the the signature shot that's what yeah, he's known that, for you know and that that drove me like that drove me so crazy watching spike do that because that would just change the whole vibe of a movie it would it to me it created a an emotion that even as young as i was and i wasn't i was purely just watching movies for entertainment i wasn't like you like just into it on a, a on a studying on a yeah, scientific a level. level i was yeah. just watching it but 
whenever he would do that in a movie, I don't care what movie it was, what was going on, it was like a brand new emotion. Yeah. Uh, just a completely different experience that you It's dynamic. That's but why he the man. Let me, uh, <laughs> you mentioned something saying uh, you was even like fixing your TV. I, uh, I watched you in an interview. You kind of mentioned that you, this is how nerdy you were about film. That you had to watch movies. That you would go to your auntie's house and legit fix their TV. Yeah, so I could watch TV. Absolutely. So you could watch TV. Yep. That's like new They VCRs wouldn't be... Because, like, everything I wanted to watch, I either had it on VHS or I recorded it at home. So you're telling me right now that you could set the clock on a VCR? Yeah. That's NASA level (laughs) intelligence, right? (laughs) That... This... Nobody. If the TV you broke, do, I knew how to fix it. Yes. You could do a legit, um, what do you call it, a survey of a hundred people in a neighborhood, and nobody in the nineties could set their VCR. I absolutely could. And you could do it. I had a VCR. I had point, a VCR at that, that point recorded. Time, did your mom say she's destined for greatness? No. No. She just questioned why I would watch movies over and over again. Love she would hear the again. same, and she'd be like, "Why are you watching that same movie?" It's like, "Cause I'm studying it." Right. <laughs> but she didn't know that at the time. She thought I was just being weird, or just <laughs> watching maybe my favorite film over and over again. But I would watch several of them over and over again. Right. I watched House Party over and over again. Dumb. Like that was the film that I would watch. I know that film by heart because I've watched it so many times. And that's funny because that's interesting. I don't like watching movies a bunch of times. And I just realized that probably like a week ago because I've been so sensitive to movies because I've been studying, getting ready for this interview. Oh, yeah. And so I've been a little sensitive about it, about movies in a sense that I've kind of noticed my habits. Okay. Uh, kind of listening to your habits and learning about your habits. Yeah. It's like, I, don't, I thought watch something, I've kind of consumed it. Yeah, and, it's, and done, it's done. Except Avengers Infinity War. Okay. I don't know why I put myself through that emotional turmoil <laughs> so many times. I think it's, it's, it's a toxic relationship, honestly. <laughs> It's a toxic relationship. It is, because I enjoy it. It's moments, it gets me high, it makes me laugh. Tony Stark does his thing, and I fall in love all over again. And then Thanos snaps his finger. Oh, yeah. And I'm heartbroken all over. But But that film coming afterwards, though. I'm That's probably going to watch it. that like yeah. a million more times. Yeah. Probably, but... They killed the film, though. I, they I got just, everybody like, like they couldn't believe it. I can't. I can't. I, I tried so hard not to watch the trailer to that, and then I I gave in, and I just I gave in, and I I watched it, and it told me nothing about the movie, and that was the best experience that I had. But we gonna take a little break right now, cool. and we gonna get back into it. All right. I have to give a shout out to today's sponsor. Pina Colada Mystics and Super Donuts, Super Southside, Super 90s, Super Chicago, lunch. Man. No, actually, that's not even lunch. That's breakfast. Breakfast. I remember stopping on 87th and Woods at Beverly Corner Store. Every day. And getting a Mystic and then having Super Donuts in the... uh, 
in the cafeteria at Foster Park Elementary. Shout out to Foster Park Elementary. And they would be blowed up because they warmed them up. So, like, when you got them, it was like a puffball. There is, <laughs> there is no French and or Japanese cuisine more live than warmed up Man. super donuts. That is a delicacy. Man. All right? Warm Le- it up. Legit. Be your best friend. At this point, that should be put up there with, uh, like, as far as, like, black um, delicacies. That's up there with fried chicken and chillies. Almost, yeah. And super donuts. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Fried chicken is supreme, but that super donut, Warmed up that's, and that thing is something special. And shrimp. Shrimp and jalapeno Italian fiesta. <laughs> I've never had that. I got to try that. Shrimp and jalapeno Italian you fiesta. You can only get it at the East Side Italian fiesta um, on 71st and Stony. I think that's 71st Street yeah. in Stony. Jalapenos and shrimp. I got to on try On Italian it. fiesta. What? All right. If I go to Italy and they pizza not like Italian fiesta. Man. Italian fiesta. They got to stop making you pizza. You know. They got to stop making pizza straight up. They have to. So, the let's get back into it. Shout out to Mystics and Super Donuts for making this podcast happen today without you. I don't know why it would be. Man. <laughs> so, let's move on. Um, one movie that I did watch multiple times. I watched it the first time a couple years ago, and then I watched it two more times, like in the last couple weeks, was Side Effects. Okay. And so, Side Effects is a movie that uh, Sam wrote and direct. Um, it's available on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, And if I say Amazon Prime one more time in this podcast, they're going to have to write a check as well. Um, but you could definitely go see it. It's about 20 minutes. Excellent story. It's there right it's now. It's right there. You can go right now. If you, if you get whatever it is that you get on Amazon, if you get free next day, you can watch this movie because yeah. you have Amazon Prime. Just go check it out. Um, first of all, the movie, the the dope thing about the movie was it was it was so familiar. Like I could relate to it, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure anybody who watches it can relate to it. How did you get that storyline to become so relatable? Because I've seen, especially like indie films where it's just like some experience, the way they tell the story, it's just a little too far out for me. Yeah. You know, it's in a familiar setting, but just the way it's done, it's just, it's, indie films are kind of like, um, what's, it's, I, Picasso to me. Mm-hmm. That's it's hard. It's but, hard to make. But for you, you got that. You got that movie so smooth, and and I was able to just see myself in so many parts of each character. Really? Yeah. Legit. That's the first time I've heard like a guy say that. Yeah. I usually get praise from women, like, "Oh my god!" No, nah, but I, this is the first time I've heard a guy. I say saw that. myself in Zuri. I saw myself in her guy, and I saw myself in her side, dude. <laughs> I saw myself in all of those. Um, the funny thing is, is like in each situation, I could not have seen myself doing anything different uh-huh. than the characters did. And okay. I was like, oh man, because I want to watch the movie and be like, nah, you should have did it like this. I could not do it. That's how relatable it was. Okay. So explain to me, like, how? Where did this story come from? How did you get it? 
on film, man? How did why, why is it so good? Well, um, at the time that I wrote it, I was coming out of a breakup with my ex, and we had a lot of we had a weird relationship. We had a lot of different dynamics, and the one thing that made it consistent with us is that you know when we became highly emotional about something we couldn't really communicate Mm -hmm. um and that was on both ends it was on me and him um and then side effects if you notice they're communicating but they're not saying how they really feel they're just kind of like passing each other and things are being left unsaid and then decisions are being made and they're not really um connecting and it's kind of like a twist which Mm -hmm. i like doing twists in films to make the audience believe one thing and it's not that thing it's another thing um, because she's first introduced with uh, Church Lockett's character, Sean. Um, he's kind of dibbling on on his fiance and dealing with her. But I think it kind of alludes to the fact that we open too many doors mm-hmm. with people. Yeah. Um, sometimes we open too many doors instead of just closing the door that you got open and then you can open another door. Right. But having two doors open, it's just <laughs> legit. I like that metaphor because the most uncomfortable space I've ever been in and just to like kind of stay on that metaphor mm-hmm. is being in the hallway. Yeah. I don't like being in the hallway. So most of my relationships have been one door right into the next room. Like, yeah. That hallway space <laughs> is so uncomfortable. And I, 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 maybe it has to do with like finding yourself out and having to deal with yourself. Self, yeah. But which, uh, the, I forget the name of the character who had the fiance. Uh, Sean. Sean. Yeah. Him, and I wish you had more time to even talk about him, but I, I don't know if he was just a dog like he was just cheating on his fiance or whatever but I've been in a situation I've been in plenty of situations mm-hmm. where and I'm sure mo- a lot of men have where you just like kind of done with the relationship you had and then I don't know where this dope ass shit come mm-hmm. and then your greedy ass cannot let her go <laughs> right cause you greedy as hell yep. so you like yo let me keep you around while I get rid of this mm-hmm. you know and then sometimes it work out perfectly sometimes, sometimes you get rid of that move and you can get short <laughs> and sometimes and it sometimes don't sometimes it don't you yeah. know there's some friction or it just completely blow up yep and stuff so that's what I saw with Sean yeah that's I was like damn brother yeah I mean when people don't talk or you don't know where people are or their moods are changing or whatever. And Zuri in the film, she was definitely on the fence with her current dude. Yeah. And then she was trying to see what this new dude was talking about. But when yeah. you have two doors open, yeah. you know, um, problems may arise. And um, you got to learn how to... I think I wanted side effects to be about forgiveness. Um, because number one, she's, she's super unforgiving. Yeah. through the whole thing and she's like sold on this new thing that's not even a thing like yeah. she finds out that it's it ain't shit she put all of this weight or expectation on this guy that didn't really um have any plans for her, so right. um but then again that was a lack of communication so like it's always that's the common denominator with like relationships especially like um with people our age or just in general like yeah 
there can so be many. some major lack of communication going on and it's just like two people are together and they're just not talking. Right. It's like, it's, okay. There's so many gems in that movie and I'm not media trained. I don't know how to talk about a movie without giving it away. So I'm going to try. But the egg on Zuri's face. <laughs> When she got the door slammed. No, no, not when she got the door slammed. When she realized who got her the gift. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The audience flipped out. You know what I love when I'm in a theater and I'm listening to the audience, like, react to that moment? They be like, oh. (laughs) You know I love that. And I saw it coming. (laughs) I saw it coming. I swear I did. I love that. I just wanted to know, like, if, if she was a real person, that the first thought that popped up in her head, this is what I imagined was, I'm out of like three, four hundred dollars. Because that's Did you all see I thought all about. that Mac? Like, yeah. no, not dude. Her, because she went and got fam that thing. Oh, yeah. That she took a loss. She took a like, loss. I was like, oh. Uh, and then all the women was like, why did you leave the camera? I would have turned around and went out of... T- <laughs> my relationship would not have made it because I would have turned around and went outside, okay? Look, watch the movie, okay? Because yeah. you got to know what we're talking about. Yeah, to watch, watch it. the movie. Yeah, you got to watch it. Because the next parts that happened after that would not have happened in real life if it was me. Because I would have I been on a curb knocking on a window. Like, yo, I'm going to need that back. I'm going to need that back. As right. a matter of fact, when you come to this door to try to plead your case, make sure you have that camera no, in your hand. No, but the, he came to the door and she was like, nah, keep it before she realized yeah. who got her to, yeah. who was actually being the sweetheart. Yeah. But dude. So she couldn't even turn around and be like, that, oh, that was hilarious. I made a mistake. Big mistake. That was hilarious. And all of that for the lack of communication. Oh my God. Yo, it's some spoilers in this interview, but it's still. Yeah, you can still watch it. You can still enjoy it. Going to watch. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. I Like you said, every woman probably loves it. And if you have a male right now who's healing and learning how to <laughs> remove in this world. Outside of ma- uh, toxic masculinity, <laughs> such as I, I'm sure he'll be able to enjoy it too. Yes. <laughs> but okay, and then so you ain't even stopped there. One of the dopest, I'm gonna say the dopest move because uh, I'm capping hard for this movie, even though I have still not seen it yet. What? I have not. You know what movie I'm talking about? I have not seen Training Wheels yet. Are you? You haven't seen I the have film? I have not seen it. I, I came to the uh, premiere at Gene Sisko, but I was on August duty. Oh. Uh, I was so on August, August didn't duty. didn't let you watch it. And then every other time it was playing, I was at work. So I have legit not seen the full movie. But my baby, my daughter's in this movie. She is. Um, Zuri, her name is Zuri McPherson. She's in the movie. Uh, the movie, I... I don't want to watch the movie, but I want to see the movie because my daughter's in it. You gotta see it. But I don't because the trailer almost made me cry. I have a hard time watching things that involve relationships with father. I cannot watch commercials that have a high emotional threshold with a father yeah. and a child. I tear up every time. Yeah, it's a it's an important relationship. It really is. Yes, but that movie was. That movie, the trailer, the movie is amazing. Talk to me a little bit about Training Wheels, please. Um, so, uh, Training Wheels started as an idea that I had, um, 
trying to uh, just encapsulate the relationship with my father mm-hmm. in a couple of minutes. But basically, um, I've had a pretty rocky relationship with my father up until this point, even now. Um, he's uh, definitely battling some inner um, things um, that he hasn't worked out. And he he definitely does things that I don't understand. Right. Um, that I've been trying to understand. And even uh, since I've become an adult, um, I've had to kind of work out my feelings about him um, in my own way without becoming bitter because there was, there was a time where I just couldn't stand my father. I just couldn't stand to look at him because of some of the, the choices and decisions that he's made in regards to like the, the just my family dynamic. And he doesn't think... Even to this day, I don't think he thinks that his decisions shift us, Mm -hmm. but they do because he's the lead. He's the head. So when the head is making decisions, the body follows Um, and we're all affected by it. And it's something that I don't think men his age pretty great. They don't grasp that Mm -hmm. um, quite well. And then they're not emotional intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. They're not really emotional. They don't talk about their feelings. My father doesn't talk. Um, and it was a one particular incident that I had with him that he ran into two parked cars and me and my mother had to go rescue him. Mm. And I'm sitting in the car pissed off. I'm pissed because that was the first day I had moved into my apartment. So I was all excited about being an adult. (laughs) And then my dad has this accident and now I have to stop to see what's going on with him. And I'm sitting in there, my mother's handling business, and I'm so frustrated and I'm so angry. And I'm just like, what the hell could my father be thinking to run into two parked cars? Because these wasn't even cars that was on the road. That means you're on the road and you lost control and hit two parked cars. So what's going on? And at that moment, I thought to myself, like, there's a hook to my movie. Because I had already been playing with the idea of a a daddy-daughter relationship. I just didn't know what the hook was going to be. Right. Um, and if, if you're a filmmaker, you have to understand that the hook is what is going to get audiences to come see your film. Yeah. Um, and I thought then, I said, well, I don't know how my dad got here, and he can't tell me, and I wish I knew. I mm-hmm. wish I could read his mind. Right. And then I could see what's on his mind, and so... I could probably fix it. So that's how I came up with the idea for Training Wheels. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> yeah, so the young character in the movie has the superpowers, ability to, to read minds. Yes. And she does that. And I don't know who saves who in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I and I, that's what I loved about the trailer. And I'm pretty sure it's still that same energy in the movie. You don't realize who saves who. Does the daughter save the dad? Is it the dad save the daughter I think they save each other I think like it's, it's a I don't think one person benefits from the relationship of a father daughter I think a father benefits from having a relationship with his kid mm-hmm. and the kid benefits from having a relationship with, so it's a it's an exchange of yeah. love it's not yeah. it's not just a, a one um one person receiving um I think uh it's an equal um partnership 
in in the father daughter relationship and i only realized that because at one point in my life my dad was doing all the things that a dad does he right. taught me how to ride my bike he sent me off to prom like right. he did all those things so um now with dealing with you know where he's at in his life right now and just the way he's dealing with things um, it's hard to grasp, but those mm-hmm. are the moments that I hold on to. Definitely. That he could, he definitely is capable of being the man that I know he can be. Yeah. He's just not doing that for whatever reason. Most definitely. I mean, having a little bit of experience with being a dad, like, it's, it's interesting because I make, I'm out here in this world making these choices that I'm thinking I'm making by myself and a lot of times honestly for myself i mean i don't i i know out loud you're supposed to say yo i'm doing this for my kids i'm doing this for my woman i'm doing this that and the third but a lot of the times you kind of like making these choices for yourself because to a certain degree you have to be comfortable in whatever it is that you're doing Mm -hmm. in order to be a decent father and decent man back at the house right and stuff like that i remember um I always think about being a dad. I always think about, um, and I don't know if this is something that JFK, uh, John F. Kennedy, President John F. Kennedy actually said, but I saw it on the internet, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to ride with it. But at the end of the day, you can have a million different advisors. You can have a bunch of different relationships, and this is me paraphrasing. Whatever. All your choices have to be made by yourself. Yeah. You are making these choices on your own. And being a father, man, making these choices that you know are going to affect every single day thereafter that choice yeah. for your woman, for your children, is crazy. Yeah. And it's only up until I've had a daughter that I've kind of really even thought about it. Because I had my son at like 16. Mm-hmm. And so me and him have basically yeah. grown up together yeah. <laughs> and so he knows all of my flaws I haven't I didn't know my dad had flaws until like I was 25 yeah yeah you know and Julius you start like, realizing like wait a minute <laughs> Julius sees all of my flaws Zuri she that's she calls me out Julius just rolls with he like I right, my dad is not perfect Zuri is like gotta do better and so her like checking me at times and even me checking myself because i know what she gonna see it's just it's crazy that daughter father thing is a dynamic on its own it's it's a it's i can't even speak too much to it it's just different yeah it is amazing and it's funny that you say that because i had a lot of dads reach out and be like man like I re- now I like think about what I do now. <laughs> I didn't even know I was like pushing people to the limit like that. I'm like I'm just making a film. I'm not thinking about how it's shifting the way people think about yeah. their lives. Yeah. And and my friend Leon, um, shout out to Mudwing Media. Um, that's his company. But he was like. I think about my kids different just by watching that clip. And I was mm-hmm. like, what? And he was like, I'm dude. He was like, I'm so serious. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm thinking about like what I plan to do today and maybe I shouldn't go. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Like that's huge for yeah. somebody to say that. 
and be honest with it. I, I tried to explain to my dad. My dad, my dad decided he was going to leave Chicago. He just had a new kid. I had just had Julius almost, basically. He's like maybe a few years old. And I'm like 16. And he decided, I'm done with Chicago. I'm going to go to New Orleans. Mm. My dad been a player his entire life. And at no point has he, and I tried to explain this as I've gotten older, at no point did he stop and think about his actions and how it affected me, my younger brother, and not to mention how his past actions has affected my older brother, who's right. still down in Central America. Right. And experiencing that on top of your movie, it's like, I have to realize that my actions and everything that I'm doing today is going to impact them yeah. on a micro and macro level. Yeah. And you just, you don't think about that as a man, man. We just, we so one-sided. We so like just one track. We just, I got to get this money. All right. And that's all you this think about. This got to get paid. This, that, and the third, like that's it. And yeah. we don't even think about the emotional connection that we have with our kids. And I love the fact that you was able to um, express that in your movie. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm finally at a point now where I'm um, adult enough and mature enough to talk about it without it being a big emotional thing or mm-hmm. um, me getting, be getting upset about it. Um, I got to a point where... It was no need to cry about it anymore. Yeah. Because it was what it was. But at the end of the day, this is still my dad. Uh-huh. So it was like, okay, you can either be mad about this or you could just try to love him the right. best way you can. That's all you can really do. Because I didn't want to be one of those people that walked around hating him. Right. Because he has done so much for me. And exactly. And he's my stepfather. Like, he stepped up to take care of me. My father didn't even want anything to do with me. So it was like, I can't throw away the only father I got. Right. That would just be a mistake. Right. So exactly. whatever this piece of man is, let's try to hold on to him. Let's try to see what he needs or what I can do right. because it's it's really easy to kind of sit back and watch somebody destruct instead of loving them and, and trying to grab them Man, and get a rain on them. Preach, yo. Like, that's... Yo, if you want to know what fathers run on, it's love. Yeah. The fuel that fathers run on every single day is love. My uncle told me something. He was like, when as a man, when you step out into this world, you fighting. You fighting every single day. You got your arms up. You just swinging left and right, swinging left and right. You trying to get this money. You trying to dodge these managers. You trying to dodge these... Uh, dudes on the streets, you trying to dodge the cop, everything. You just out here fighting every single day. And so when, when you come home and you got to fight, you got to fight with your woman, you got to fight with your kids or whatever, your aunt, your hands still closed, you still got your fist up, you still fighting. So what moment, what time are you able to open your hands and receive your blessings? You can't receive nothing with your hands closed. Right. So at what point in time are you able to open your hands and receive your blessings? And I say that to say, you, as a man, we have to have that time to unwind. We have to come home, have that moment where we experience that level of unconditional love. Yeah. Like you said, your father threw your day away, right? 
But just the fact that whether you came mad, sad, or glad, you was there. Yeah. Fill this tank right back up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, whatever it is. Or at least try. Because my dad is so emotionally dead that you just be like, I'll be like, hey, dad. Hey. And nah, he, no. And he be looking at me like, hey. No. Your car don't get excited. And I got to jump on him and give him a kiss. And as mm. much as he is going to act like I'm not kissing him on his jaw, Keep it's like. doing it. Yeah, because it's Keep like. that. It. But that is my father. Like, Keep in a nutshell. It. He is not going to react. He is not going to, like. He may smile at you. He may giggle a little bit. But that's all you get. But like, his, you ain't getting. <laughs> this tank is on full. You ain't getting nothing else. You filling him up. Your car don't jump in excitement every time you put 87 in it. No. Right? <laughs> no. Yo, just because your dad don't don't mean he not getting filled up. He is getting filled up. And when he when he out with his boys, just like me, be bragging. <laughs> be like, you seen my daughter? Have you? You ain't got Amazon Prime? Right, right. Go and watch my daughter movie. I and it's funny. You. It's funny that we even talking about it because uh, I was traveling to the film festivals because I've been to like five. And that's the first thing they ask Did your father see it? Did, you, did he see it? And I'm like, no, my father hasn't seen it yet. Um, well, because he's an asbestos remover. He's in and out of town. So, mm-hmm. um, And then he's he lounges. He sleeps a lot. So I don't like to bother him. But one day, we're going to have to sit down and watch this film yeah. together. But I bet you money. I bet you money. Everybody from here to Timbuktu, whatever town your, your dad drops in... <laughs> Know that you he wrote that movie. <laughs> know that you wrote it. Oh, yeah. Well, he talk about it now. Because he's like, yeah. I, your mama told me you did a film on me. And I was like, yeah, I did. He was like, okay. Your dad cool as hell. Yeah. He, he cool yeah, as hell. He, <laughs> he's not going to... He don't break a sweat. Like, you will never know when he's nervous. I've only heard this man cry one time in my entire life. Yeah. One time I heard him cry. And when he cried, he wailed out. Like, I had never... I had... It was, he sounded like a wounded dog. That's I was that, like... That's that generation, though. Whoa! Like, he cried. But that was the only time I've ever seen him cry. That's my generation. Because every time Julius Azuri do something... Or August. I might as well just give August my Instagram page. Because if, if... If he do something and he do it again... I'm celebrating it, alright? <laughs> I'm going hard. Zuri come in, she talking about she auditioned for this role at her uh, at her movie, uh, not at her um, school, where she, um, what's the movie? Um, oh my God. With Beyonce, Jennifer Hudson, oh, Dream, Dream Girls. Girls. And yeah. so she got the role that Beyonce played. What? Right? Zuri? Yeah, she got that. Oh, uh, Zuri so, is hitting. I, I'm in there, lip big and her head up. I'm like, <laughs> so you ain't getting through no doors after I'm done. I am. I was in there. Zuri is up. on her way, man. She is a star, man. She got to be capping so hard for Zuri her. Zuri is a star. She beat out all those girls. Yeah. I auditioned like 15 girls. No, nah, I'm talking. Oh, yeah. 15 girls for your movie. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. beat out. And, and it wasn't even like the connect. It. It, she was just the best. Yeah. She was. She was. This is my daughter's first film. Okay? <laughs> first film. She was just. She was just the best. She's yeah. like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And she got the part. And she got it. She got the role. And she's she been killing it. Ever and since. Ever yeah. since, man. She and she like rap too. Like, she's so talented. She, she said a rap the other day, man. Like a little conscious rap, man. Me and, and she was talking about 
her parents. So it's me, Clinetta, her mom, and then her uh, actual father, mm -hmm. right? And so she talked about all three of us in this rap. She's sitting there performing because she wants us to be proud of it. But she was talking about some real stuff. So, you know, I'm sitting in the background like, ah. Oh. I gotta chill out. Yeah, man. yeah. You know, so me and Cornetta, we might get a little mad. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I'm, I'm loud. Yeah. You know, I'm when I get, I don't, it don't take, I don't get mad quick, but when I do get mad, it's mad. I'm, know, mad. I'm an Aries. Yeah. yeah. You know. Uh, me too. Right. So everybody gonna know. We mad. I'm mad. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> everybody gonna know. So I was like, I gotta chill. I gotta try to bite down on my nature, but. You're talking about the film festivals. Yeah. Ask me, well, when are you going to do an online release? I can't do an online release until we finish the festival circuit. Right. Um, and we've been doing so well. Um, what is this experience like? What is it like? I'm going to ask you this question. I tried so hard when I was doing the questions not to ask you, how does it feel to be a black woman? Um... <laughs> But how does it feel to be feel to on be? the road as uh, a black female filmmaker? I was my first festival outside of Chicago because I had never experienced that before. I was nervous. I was in Boston, mm -hmm. and um, it was the first time I was in a. I was addressing an audience that wasn't from Chicago, so I couldn't use my Chicago. Um, just humor or the lingo. I couldn't Stop like doing connect. That. Stop yeah. doing that. I hate. I'm sorry. I asked you a question. What? I'm cutting you off. If I am here to be an ambassador for Chicago on the internet, on TV, any space that I can be in, because if I have to continue the rest of my life talking like a New York nigga, because that culture is accepted everywhere or yeah. I have to accept LA culture. Nah, y'all gonna have to accept shit. We're all Chicago culture. Yeah. Because first of all, we do all of y'all culture better than y'all do it. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that already. We do. Y'all have to accept, y'all have to know and accept when I say mogs. When I'm talking about mogs out here tripping. We talking I'm, about mogs out here tripping. Right, you know who I'm talking about. That's when, why people in Philly say John. It's the same thing. If, and if I have to know what that is, you need to know what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about the ops, yeah. When I'm talking about, uh, give me some more Chicago slang. Help me out here. Oh my! When I'm telling a story and I say da 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 da, don't ask me what oh, that who is. the bam? Straight up. <laughs> All right. That is a verbal. Uh, what's the three dots in the sentence? An uh, uh, ellipsis? Yeah. That's in a verbal ellipsis, all right? Yeah, that who means we, the man we is We fast forwarding through these details. They not important. Yeah. All right, Urban Dictionary need to catch up. Well, you show goof ass out of here. Goof. <laughs> That's some Chicago shit right Listen, there. Listen, if, if you a goof, if you are a goofy ass motherfucker, <laughs> and you have been titled that you have been stamped that it's time for you it's to over. exit the premises yeah, it's over okay yeah but when you are out here in these streets yeah when be I, chicago well yeah i was i was gun I, I, <laughs> I have no choice but to be myself but people from boston knew i wasn't from boston <laughs> they as soon as i opened my mouth they're like oh where you from chicago okay because everybody in boston has this really thick 
Boston thing. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh. <laughs> Celtic <laughs> okay. bro. Yeah, yeah, it's so thick. Like, right. some people got it so bad. You'd be like, ooh, what did you say? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, um, I was nervous at first. Um, but then... Um, when it got around to me, the the questions are easier to answer because nine times out of ten in the lineups that they put me in, I was the only film that had children. Word. So, yeah, I was hit with the question, how was it working with kids? And, of course, I always have to say something that makes the audience giggle because I'm not a parent. So I was like, I'm dealing with kids and I'm not a parent so I had to be patient where otherwise I wouldn't have been patient and I have to like calm you know I have to have motherly instincts that I don't have but I'm just trying to direct my film and then trying to make sure I get the performance out of the kids so um, I was able to like answer those questions and it made me a little bit more comfortable Um, if if it had been something else I don't know how it would have came out but um, all the film festivals showed me a lot of love. Um, right. What about the uh, the Martha Stewart joint? I was curious uh, about that because I've heard people talk about just that whole space is so light. Man. So <laughs> Martha's Vineyard is so beautiful. And okay. I'm not even like trying to like say some shit just to make people Google it or whatever. Like, but. I slept on Martha's Vineyard so hard. Like, when I tell you that it's, like, a must place to go, like, if it's to put on your bucket list, go to Martha's Vineyard. And you have to go in August. The only reason why you have to go in August, because they said the breeze is, the breeze is only like that in August. It's like a seasonal breeze. But when I tell you the breeze is so heavenly, it's like, it's unlike anything I've ever felt before. I've oh never felt like coming from the city of wind. Ma- like, okay, just imagine <laughs> jogging and you're sweating and you feel a breeze. But imagine that times twenty. Word. Like the breeze is so because it's the like water's right breeze. there. So you getting that ocean like oh my god. You talking about heavenly breeze? I've never felt breeze like that before in my life. That's smooth. That's legit. in my whole life. It's. Martha's Vineyard is lit. It's a lot of rich people, a lot of rich white money. Um, but uh, I received a lot of love in Martha's Vineyard. There's a lot of there's a strong black community in Martha's Vineyard, um, and they like they do shit different out there. It was like one lady was like, "I loved your film so much. Here's fifty dollars," and I was like, what? "Thank you." <laughs> I was like, oh, y'all different now. Y'all different, different. Because nobody had ever gave me money like that. Like, Mm -hmm. I've only seen that done at churches where, like, the preacher preached good and then somebody laying $50 at his feet. Right. Like, I felt like I was holy. Right. (laughs) Thank you for giving me this blessing. But they was putting money in my hand. And I don't know if that's a thing out there. Mm -hmm. But, uh... It's an experience for people to just walk up to you and they don't have a debt to pay. Right. And they just Just putting some cash in your hand. I was like, thank you. That's legit. Yo, so. (laughs) And so this is going to, we're going to lead this into your boss up because 
you raised the money for the post production and yes. what like two or three days? It was four days. Four days. Four days. Four days. How much did you raise? I raised five thousand. Five thousand in four days. Yeah. Just raised it like yep. crazy. Got on social media. Got on social got media, on, and it's weird. How, so let me. That's crazy. I don't. This this is an exclusive. This is the first time I have broken this down because so a lot of other podcasts had asked me. But I never explained it in detail. Mm-hmm. They wanted to know how I got a little real on. Now, mind you, when I was setting up this campaign, I in my mind, and this is the way they say, you know, your plan, God laughs at your plans. It's so funny because I was going to run this campaign for months. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I got a good four months. I know I can raise this money. I was so confident. I'm like, yes, let's go in, let's do it. And I didn't have nothing yet. But I was like, I know I'm going to make my goal. It's not even a question. Right. So, I the first place I went was Facebook. Then I put the trailer on Twitter. And I made sure that I put Chicago and all of the stuff, you know, mm-hmm. hashtag Chicago film, whatever. So somehow, and I and I still don't know to this day. Um, I get I like leave my social media alone for a while because I had just put it out. So I'm like, let people eat up, eat away at it, and I'll check it later. And I picked up my phone, and Little Real's like, well, where can I see this at? And you know, like. When shit like that happened, you got to look twice. Like, right. is that really him? Right. Where the I'm, blue check at? Right. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, is this a hoax account? Is this somebody else? Like, I'm really trying to, like, make sure I'm not losing my mind. Right. And he, like, it's really him. I'm like, oh, shit. Now I got to keep this ball rolling. So I screenshot that, go to Instagram. Yo, Little Rail is on it. <laughs> like, all y'all got to donate. So so finally, I didn't hear back from him, so I started getting nervous. I'm like, Little Rail, come on. We trying to finish the film. Because I didn't think, I didn't know if he actually went on our Indiegogo page yet. Mm-hmm. He just saw the trailer and was like, where can I see the fool? And I'm thinking like, we don't have it done yet. Like, we need yeah. the money. So he's like, I gave you a thousand because the my my uh, my max was a thousand. Right. So he gave that uh, Kevin on stage, which is JoJo's dad. Yeah. In the film that mm-hmm. plays Jarvis. Funny as hell. Yeah. <laughs> he gave a thousand. Uh-huh. So that was two, and right. I was like, I'm two thousand in. Like this is great. And then that money just as I mean, as soon as I had those two big donations, it just came. People was donating. I was getting large sums of money. Um, um, Laroyce Hawkins from Chicago PD, he gave five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Jonathan McReynolds, the gospel singer, he gave five hundred dollars. Like people was just giving that, that bulks big, of money. Yeah, like they was Bernie Sanders. And before like. I knew it, my goal was made, and I couldn't even celebrate because at the time I was working a job. But you, and I was on set, and I was in like I was so emotional at work. I couldn't even celebrate that I had made my goal to my film because I was still working right. on the film. So Definitely. I was like, I couldn't even celebrate. And when I got home, I just burst into tears. <laughs> but if, if if I'm correct, like, if I remember this, all of this stuff really happened in about 
two days almost. Yeah, it happened yeah, very it was like fast. You put it out. Yeah, and, then and you it put was it over. Out, you put it out the first day. You know, people I think was donating and stuff like that. The second day, um, same kind of thing. And then it was like the, but like around the end of the mm-hmm. second day, because that's when I kind of heard about yep. it. And end of the second day into the third day, that's when the rail joint happened. Yep, and, and that's it was when all money happened. Yeah. And it was just done. It and the campaign like, was finished. And I boom, couldn't boom, boom, believe, because in my mind, I thought like, oh, I'm finna run. I'm finna run four months. I'm finna run five months. Okay, let's do mm-hmm. it. And, I saw, and that shit was over in four days. I saw that you had a picture with Rail. So yeah. did he see it? Did he? He did. Well, he, he saw you? when we when we gave him the thousand. Uh, I mean, when he gave us the thousand, um, I had a cut. Right. So I sent him what I had. Um, once we we was on the finishing touches of finishing sound. Sound is like a really tedious, but it's probably the most important part, especially since we got the special power stuff and then we wanted to make sure that was right. Um, but he saw up into like that last step and then we sent him the final and he was like, man, I thought it was great. And this is little real, like telling me this stuff. And, you know, I always take a humble approach when it comes to my craft, but it felt good for somebody that was like in the industry, like prevalent, relevant, relevant in the industry say to me, Yo, you directed the shit out of that. Yeah. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) I was like, thank you. Because it means something when it's your people. Right. Like when it's when it's when they in the field that you in and they can look at your shit and say, That was nice. Yeah. That felt good. Yes. That felt so good because I was like, maybe I'm on the right track. Because before Training Wheels, I was like, I don't know about this film thing. Mm -hmm. I was really, I wasn't on the brink of giving up, but I was losing steam. Yeah. I was losing steam because I had put all my money up. That was all that I had. Uh And I was really praying that this whole thing worked out because if it didn't, I would have been somewhere hurt and crying, right. probably still crying to this day. But I had so much faith in it. Um, I just did. I had oh, so much faith in it. Like, that, but that's man, faith seems intangible, but it can be so tangible. Like you can touch faith. The fact that you just out there recording it, knowing how you felt emotionally about it, knowing how you felt mentally about it, but still able to put in a hundred percent because being on the brink of giving up. It's so much like giving up. Yeah. You know, you can Because you be right. I was right there. And it affects how you approach it. A piece of greatness shows when you're able to move past that. Yeah. Even though you're feeling that every single day, you're still able to give 110%. Yeah. Because that feeling right there could easily knock you down to eighty percent. Knock you. Down oh, all you need is one thing going. to just knock you off the table. Because all I needed it. was one bad thing to happen, and I was it. like, "I'm done with this." Yeah, like I'm. Fin- but when all this happened, it was just confirmation. It was like you on the right track. You God just gotta like, keep nah, going. Keep yeah, going, you gotta keep going. keep going. So when that happened, I'm like, okay, I I can do this. Mm-hmm. This is possible. And I can make a splash at home because I made a splash at home. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in L.A. I I got right L.A. From to Chicago. see. Chicago, 
You come don't even on. realize, like y'all don't even realize how big of a statement that is. That was huge for me. That is the stigma of being a Chicago creative. Yeah, because everybody have to leave home. Yeah, you got to leave home. You cannot do this from Pilsen. You cannot do it from Bronzeville. You have to do it from Harlem. You have to do it from uh, uh, whatever fucking neighborhood is in LA. I only know LA. Well, it's just but, LA. Like you have you to do go it to from LA. Them, those places. Yeah. And so the fact that. She was able to allow this movie to be nationally known at this point. Yeah, is is just because it's not in the AMC. And don't I believe ain't, that I ain't step foot in LA. She is <laughs> not right, one. Not one yet, right? Not one foot. Well, I've been, I've visited there, but during this whole process, I didn't step one foot in LA. Like right. I was nowhere near it. And I was making it off the strength of, and I kind of got a spike approach when it comes to making films in Chicago. I just don't feel like I would want to make a film anywhere else because yes. this is what I know. I want Ashlyn to be everywhere. I want Lakeshore Drive goal. to be everywhere. All right? Like, that's my, <laughs> that is my goal. Like, I get it. I get it. That's the Brooklyn Bridge. I get it. That's a 140 Yeah, seven. I but get it. No. Lakeshore Drive. Halsted. Good plan. Bronzeville. People Good praise plan. me. For the city hates us because I shot in Bronzeville and they had tell never them, seen Bronzeville on camera. I was like, what? Come on. Nobody films in Bronzeville. Nobody hold besides on. me. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So City Hates Us is a web series from like a point in time when YouTube web series are really starting to get popping. I think around this time. Issa was probably doing her Yeah, joint. she had she had um, done uh, right. Yeah, so City Hates her. Us is a story of like a, a bunch of young black um, uh, women and men. They artists, yeah, yeah they artists trying to, trying to moving, get off the ground, yeah. moving through Chicago, and it was popular. It yeah, was legit. It was. People know this web People series watched and stuff it. like that, and it was shot on the south side of Chicago. And I didn't so, know they was watching it at the time until I stopped doing it. And then it was like, why you stop? happened? Right. And right. I was like, man, I ain't doing it no more. Y'all weren't saying shit when it was running. They like, no, man, I watched it every week. I'm YouTube, like, oh. YouTube, YouTube was not giving out the metrics the way they <laughs> back then. You were just putting it up there. And it was just like, it was just, you were just throwing it on the wall. And it was just there. And it you didn't know what was going on. But nah, people love. People actually fucked with it. Legit. Yeah, I like the so, city hates us. We might be working on the season you, three, maybe. Eee, quit playing. Maybe. Quit playing. I'm gonna tweet that. <laughs> I'm gonna tweet that. I'm like, yo, I just heard. It's Darnell's fault. I just heard it's a, uh, it's a season three. <laughs> Possibly, I don't know. But somebody on the internet told me they would sell loose squares or something if I did. Oh, I would. They would sell loose squares to help me fundraise, and I said, "Bro, are you serious?" <laughs> hey, that's love. Shut up. <laughs> Selling loose squares. Listen, we gonna get this money, all right? right. <laughs> so, from from feeling the way you feel about shooting, the city hates us in Bronville. At that point, was that like oh nine? Yeah. Yeah. So shooting oh nine to now shooting the shy in Chicago. How? What make a connection point as far as seeing the shy shot of Chicago, seeing Chicago neighborhoods on TV more? Well, I mean, I think it's progress because every film that I've worked on and TV show that I've worked on that's been to Chicago since the shy has been released has been north 
or has been in Pilsen or has been on the West side. Um, it was rare that they actually got footage on the South side. A lot of people don't know what the South side of Chicago looks like. And because the media, they pitch plays, Iraq. yeah, the media has put this very distorted, um, image of Chicago out there to where they feel like there are no safe neighborhoods on the South side. There are no, uh, go getters, entrepreneurs, families, like there are all those people that are there on the South side, creating communities that are active in their communities. They are, that are doing things to make sure that their families are protected and they're keeping up their communities. Like Bronzeville is where our young black successful entrepreneurs are. That's and always have been historically. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what they are. So, so for us to never see that on camera is just is heartbreaking. And I'm so glad that in season two of The Shy, they decided, yo, we got to go south. We got to go to South Shore. We got to go to Bronzeville. We got to go to these areas that camera crews don't see. That's why when we rolling in there with all these trucks and these trailers, they like, whoa, they bringing yeah. the movies here because yes this is something to be documented like these this is places where there are heartfelt stories and even with the violence there's still positive things happening in the city so we can't elevate the negativity mm. we can't do that and unfortunately you know the shot is about some of that negativity but um through the the story of these characters and, and how they intertwine with each other's lives, that's real stuff that's going on in the city that people need to know about. So yeah. um, I, I think it's definitely progress for Chicago, um, showing the multifacetedness of Chicago because we're not all we not the Bean and we're not all the Willis Tower. We yeah. call the Sears Tower. We don't call it the Willis Tower. We're not Tower. just deep dish pizza. Yeah, we're not just that. We're, we're there's so many many more complexities about the mm. culture, the the city, the grind, the artists here. Like right. there should be an artist boom in Chicago. Why hasn't that happened? It's too many artists here. I meet too many artists on mm. a day to day basis for mm. that not to be going down like it does in other cities mm -hmm. so i think it's I getting it. there i yeah. think it's getting there i think more artists are noticing and pulling together and doing projects and working together um because yeah. a lot of that camaraderie hasn't really been in our blood you in chicago what? but it's changing I, it's changing chicago the one thing chicago has the same quantity and quality of talent that new york has the thing that Chicago doesn't have is the machine yeah. that New York has. New York has a machine that has roles and players. And every new generation, it has these places. And every new generation just comes in and fills those places. And so Chicago doesn't have that machine where we just are, are allowing our creatives to come up and fill spots that were already existed before us. Because of that stigma yeah. that you can't do it in Chicago, yeah. we and have then to another leave and then well. another thing, and I always say this, and you know, this is just a suggestion, but I feel like Chicago creatives would do more if the people that made it from Chicago were here. Yeah, yeah. Everybody that makes it from Chicago leaves. Yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. Everybody famous from Chicago is living in L.A. or living somewhere else, and they're not home. I get shocked when I see downtown or see Lake Michigan in Chance's videos when yeah. they're home. 
I yeah. get shot because I'm just waiting to see the, that, That's why around. I commend Chance out of some of the goofy stuff that he does. I commend Chance because Chance is at home. He's right. in his hometown creating art. He did what he had to do. He had to go to L.A. to to make some big moves. But he was like, you know what? I'm going to go home and build my home. Right. And if we had more people that made it from Chicago come back and build resources here and give people hope. Mm -hmm. Like, if Kanye walked the streets, can you just imagine what that would do if Kanye just walked the streets? Yeah. Yeah. If people could just see him. Straight up. Not talk to him, but just see him. Just see him. Just yeah. see him. And you ain't gotta be on the south side. I mean, if I could, if I could see him walk into a store on Michigan, hell, he can it. walk out. Right, I'm gonna say he can walk out of Zara or Gucci or right or shit. One Louis of them. Baton. We got one, and we be like, yo, right. That's the. I mean, and he's still gonna be the homie even with his red hat and his trunk. Yeah. The Chicago in you is gonna be like, yo, yeah. That go Kanye. <laughs> Right, we're gonna treat your ass. Right. We're gonna be happy to see you. But bro. it's like we're gonna be happy to we're gonna be happy as hell to see you. Like right. no matter you can do goofy <laughs> shit tomorrow, but we're gonna be happy today yes. that you're here. So come home. if we had more successful Chicago artists come home, um, I, I think it would inspire more people to be bold mm-hmm. and people will come out and you know, really display their art in a powerful way. But because we don't have that and people feel like they can't get on from here, it just makes it extremely difficult. Yeah, true that, true that. So let me ask you this, because I saw you uh, tweet something, and um, this is my way of skirting the um, how do you feel about being a black woman in the film industry question, Mm -hmm. but still asking you. uh, (laughs) You tweeted that the film industry is definitely still a boys' club. Yeah. And it's funny that you tweeted that because I screenshot it because right up under that, the Huff Post put yeah. up this joint from uh, Ryan, Ryan Coogler. Yeah. Talking about how many women yeah. he hired and stuff like that. It, that it legit. I screenshot it because it's legit how it popped yeah. up on my phone, right? Well, when and I so, saw that, when I saw that Ryan actually made that incentive on his set, I was like, wow, that's big because Hollywood is a boys club. Yeah. So, I mean working in it even in just this small market how are you seeing the changes well i would say on the industry side because i'm grateful to be able to get jobs on that side um specifically on the shy like you see people like lena waith as the executive producer Mm -hmm. of the shy Mm -hmm. Meaning, like, she's one of the head honchos of the show. She's the runner of the show. That was the first time I had seen a black woman in that type of power position. Mm-hmm. But then when we did season two, it was like more black women. <laughs> was like, they was coming everywhere. And I was right. like, and then it was more women directors. And I met Sally Richardson, another black director. And yeah. I was like, whoa. So, like, it's definitely changing because those women are in those roles and they they're in power positions Mm -hmm. and they know other other talented women that can get the job done so it's like well why not hire this woman um a lot of people criticize ava duvernay for hiring black directors for queen sugar but why not right 
why not? Because nobody else was hiring them. Right. Nobody else was looking for black females to hire. What is that? How do you even criticize that? What criticize? What critiques do you make? Well, I but you'd like, be surprised. Strange. I've seen some black male filmmakers criticize her for just hiring hiring women when the industry is like. I was I would go on to say like ninety percent male. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you got some men that kind of was like, "Well, give me a chance," you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> but you know, it's like talk to your brother, right? And like tell all these big name black male directors, tell them you you know what's up. Yeah, give you a chance because Ava gave us a chance. Right. She she made a way to have these other women filmmakers uh black women filmmakers that have been overlooked for years and if they was directing they was only directing their projects now they can go to a gig and get a check right when before you could not do that you just couldn't because it was nobody ready to hire you right to do the job but now that women are showing themselves to be qualified and capable of like really doing this shit like it's happening more and more um, and hopefully it'll get to a time where we can all simultaneously work. Cause I feel like there's room for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's room for everybody. Everybody can play a part in this thing because filmmaking, it takes a village to make a film. One person can't make a film. Yeah, so, definitely. um, because that's the philosophy in making film, um, everybody can have a part. Everybody can play a part. It's, it's not room for ego or anything like that. It's just, you want to get as close to your passion as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And you'll do whatever it takes to do that. Mm-hmm. So if I got to be a location scout to get closer to it, I'll be a location scout. But I'm working my way to, to seeing or I'm, I'm working my way to being what I see these other black female directors are doing on a major scale. Like what I'm doing, I'm doing it with my little tiny budget, with my little creativity. But just imagine if I was given this big of a budget. Right. I can, yeah. I can bring so much, mo- much exactly. more to the table exactly. you know, than, I, than I am with a $10,000 budget. Exactly. Um, I, I can only go so far with that. So... Yeah, it's happening more and more, and it and it's a good thing. Like it's like I said, it's still a boys' club because it's majority men, um, and it's funny the way God made me because when I talk to men, they be like, "Man, you just got like a homie vibe on you." Like I don't know, <laughs> maybe I was blessed with that <laughs> because in the industry that I'm in, it works perfectly yeah. because I meet men every day and I work with men every day, and I have to work with them so. It just, it's just a you part of it. You defenses. Yeah, like, it's instead right, of, like, right I'm now, not a threat to you. I'm it's just true, because right now, male defenses are up at an all-time high, especially, like, white men are <laughs> up at an all-time high. Uh, I um, I say that to say that, like, yo, the Gillette commercial, the response to the Gillette yeah. commercial has to be the most funniest shit ever right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm sure they was upset about oh, that. Were they? Throwing... Wait, upset, upset, or just kind of like, um... I will... A, a Gillette razor will never touch my face again. Okay? Legit <laughs> Wait, they threatened throwing Gillette razors the in the toilet. What? Over an ad? Over an ad just asking you to just, you know, be a little nicer. Be the night, yeah, be, be nicer. nicer. Don't be a jackass. But a lot of men feel like, you know, 
Y'all out here trying to tell us how to be men. And it's not what the commercial was asking, you know, uh, to play devil's advocate, I do feel like the internet is like making it real hard to be a man right now. It's, well, it's, it's, it is rough. It is you rough. Got, yeah, you got but players. But the Gillette commercial was not doing that. The Gillette commercial was just asking for a little bit of accountability. Yeah, accountability. And ours was being pussies about it. But I think, yeah, I think some men just don't like accountability. Yeah. Um, they just don't want to be told, like, man, that's not cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? And in the, in the coolest way, you can be like, yo, that's not cool. And somebody is still And the commercial is like, yo, some of y'all are actually on it. Like, yeah. Like, doing a good job. But some of y'all ain't. Right over their head. <laughs> right over their head. But, yeah, they only heard the other part, yeah. and they respond to that. So, yeah, I mean... Hey, if women can't check men, who gonna check men? Cause men don't check men. Well, we just saw that we just bro, we brought up R. Kelly. Ain't nobody checked fans. Right. So Yo. I mean, until now, now everybody's like, oh yeah, I, I knew shit. that was so bad. I hate but that it's shit. like, come on, bro. Like you was watching the tape too. Let's I not. I hate that shit. Let's that, not do that. Just say you know what, my bad. Master P. All these niggas who's who going hard right now. Yeah, like, it's like, come on, like you was you was on the train, right. so let's not. It but, it just wasn't that heavy then, and yeah. you didn't, you know, you had you you wasn't in a position to decide whether or not you wanted to be associated with that, but now you are yeah. because it's been called to the carpet, and now you gotta say something because you don't work with this man or had dealings with this man and knowing what the fuck was going on and just not just like oh they ain't got nothing to do with me i'm i'm good on it so it was no like accountability That's or good. it was no other men saying hey bro mm -hmm. what are you doing you know right 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 well hopefully we are going to do better yeah because uh just watching you it's a lot of dope ass female talent that's coming up um I mean, we even have good female rappers now. Yeah. I've never liked female rappers. And now, <laughs> and I'm, I, I, I will stand on that. I've never liked female rappers. <laughs> I, they, but it's some legit dope female rappers out here with content that I can listen Dude, to. Dude, you know, I know you've heard Clinetta rap. Clinetta, Clinetta, yeah. My girl's a female rapper. She can legit. What? She's a I be trying rapper. to. I be begging Clinetta, like, come yeah. back to the mic, girl. Yeah, I don't know what. I, I don't know what the she, issue is. She, man. She, I don't know what the issue is. She's so she talented. She's so talented, man. She has legit bars, like legit bars, and she has content. Like, I'm. I'm so happy the Nicki Minaj era is over. I'm so. happy. <laughs> Is it over? Yeah, because I, man, I, Nicki Minaj got bars, but they are all underneath her, like having penis in her mouth <laughs> on the other bars. That I was like, yo, I don't, I can't listen to a whole album of you like shaking your ass yeah. and giving bomb head. Like I, I, I respect you for it. I just can't listen to yeah. like thirty That's minutes. A, yeah, of it. yeah. But it's it's some bomb rapper. Oh, what's my what's the chick name while I was listening to? Oh my god! It's so many of them too. Man, and sure you. I didn't know how many like female rappers there were until my sister was like like pointing them all out to me because I thought it was just Nicki Minaj and Cardi B, but it's like a a, a gang of them. Yeah, it's like a top ten. Like I was like, whoa. 
Man. So they all up next. Like they all up next. Yeah. They all do. they need is that one big to like get them in. But that you have dope female rappers. You got amazing women who are getting into the film industry, creating content and helping telling the narrative of black people, our black story, which Hollywood needs right now because we're tired of watching white stories. Yeah. And slave stories. They, they like remaking white old like dope white movies that we loved in the past because yeah. we've seen white people do everything on tv already yeah. and so to watch black people do black people things is amazing yeah and getting to see all this content and is, white people are amazed uh, by black people things you know what it's funny because the studies show that uh when um you know burrell um uh, burrell communications the yeah. agency and stuff like that yeah. black marketing agency uh, Burrell showed that white people actually respond to advertisement for black people better than they respond to advertisement for white people. Yeah. Like, we just done. Because we trendsetters. They tired of watching themselves on TV. Yeah, we trendsetters. We, 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 we determine, black people determine what's hot in the country. Yeah. We yeah. do. And we, we, and we not bashing white people. We appreciate y'all. Y'all, y'all pay my rent every month <laughs> thank you very much for signing off on my checks yes, i really appreciate that but we are lit and you, but know, we you lit. know that yeah. legit all right you know what i'm saying like we made, we made y'all rich <laughs> and, and we continue it. to do yeah. so we just kind of want our slice of the pie now we hungry basically <laughs> well thank you thank you thank for you for having out. me thank I you for having me appreciate i appreciate it. it we've been talking for quite a bit of time yeah. and i know we have because the other two people in the room i like i like done with the conversation because yeah. they have not <laughs> they have not been able to put in two sitting this conversation the entire time but we appreciate them yeah. for, for listening in for coming in yeah. enjoying it with us i appreciate you please go follow santa cole where can they follow you at uh, so you guys can check out Training Wheels um, on Facebook.com slash Training Wheels Short Film. Um, that's the only website for Training Wheels. Um, stay tuned for an online release of Training Wheels because I know everybody is asking. Um, you can find me on Facebook.com slash Santa Cole. Um, also Instagram at Santa Cole and Twitter at Santa Cole. And awesome. that's S-A-N-I-C-O-L-E. Awesome, awesome. Once again, this has been a Cool Thought Podcast. We got some amazing thoughts from San Nicole, and you're going to be hearing a lot more of this. This is just a taste of what's going to be coming. God, that's such a cliche, <laughs> but it is the truth. I'm so looking forward to it. Man. Grab, grab your Mystic Pina Coladas. <laughs> Super Donuts. Super Donuts. Grab your Pizza Puff and just <laughs> vibe out with us and continue yeah. to do so. Thank you for coming. Peace.